Welcome to another episode of Surviving Empathy Podcast. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Fry Comedy. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into some stranger things. But we're going to do it a little bit different by getting into the mental health and emotional uh, weeds, if you will. We're going to get into the mental health implications of everything in Stranger Things. We'll go into the story arc and the character arc and the mental health makeup of each character. And then we're going to talk about the supernatural elements of the show, including Eleven's powers and including the Mind Flare and including the Upside Down. This was a super long episode at 2 hours and 30 minutes, so we're going to break it into a part one and part two. And so the second part of the show, we're going to kind of get into really deep in the weeds into the supernatural realm and the uh, mental health ramifications therein. At the end of the day, you guys, we love the paranormal. We love everything spooky and scary and magical and mystical. But you also have to be grounded in reality, too. You have to know how to navigate in the occult and in these dark forces and in the supernatural realm without getting too carried away and caught up into it. And so we're going to talk about that and what the risks are and why they are and how they are and how we can prevent ourselves from getting too caught up into a fantasy world where we start believing in things that aren't real that could possibly affect our mental health. But if you like Stranger Things, uh, be forewarned, this is going to be one big giant spoiler for season four. But if you love Stranger Things, come on in. We're going to have a great time. We're going to get into all the character traits and all their uh, mental health uh, implications therein. It's going to be a lot of fun. And if you guys want to help us out in the humanitarian cause we're doing, come on over to PayPal or Patreon and help us out. Pitch in a few bucks. They ain't going to hurt nothing. At the end of the day, you guys, we are humanitarians. We're activists. We are here for people. We're here to help people get through life and have good mental health, good robust health. And uh, that's what it's all about. But let's get started with part one right now. Let's begin. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Surviving Empathy Podcast. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bright Comedy. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we want to talk a little bit about uh, Stranger Things. Now, uh, spoiler alert for you guys, but first, let me introduce my co-host. She's the host with the most, Rebecca Russell. Please say hello to the folks. Hello. (laughs) That was really mousy. (laughs) Anyways, so yeah, you know, my last episode was basically um, uh, no show notes were used, uh, as you probably could tell. It was kind of meandering and directionless. Um, But the point was, is that we're living in stranger times. We are living in weirder, harsher times. And uh, it it can feel harsher. It can feel less, uh, I don't know, kind. It can feel less compassionate. And so that's why we exist. We want to make the world feel like there's people with heart and soul left, you know, because everything has become so analytical. Everything's become very robotic, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, definitely. And so I think people are just hungering for something real, you know, and that's why we gravitate towards Stranger Things, because it just feels like simpler times. It feels like uh, just, I don't know, it just feels nostalgic. and um, Pure nostalgia. And, and and also, though, it's accurate, though. It doesn't feel like a hyped-up version of something. It feels like the real thing. Yeah, it feels like people being people. Exactly. 
when I was trying to come up with a title for that last episode and I came up with Stranger Pangs. And I did that because I, I was using Stranger Things as a reference throughout the episode. And I also used Star Trek a little bit as a reference, but mostly about Stranger Things. And then I got to thinking about it more and I realized, you know, we haven't really done an episode on Stranger Things. And I thought this this podcast is about all things Stranger Things, if you think about it. Yeah. I mean, empaths, 11 is a telepath. That's pretty darn close. Mm-hmm. Um, the paranormal is involved, alternate dimensions. Um, we're talking about mental health, grief, depression, growing up, yeah. growing pains, all that, those struggles of growing up. Bullying. Yeah, all of it. It's mm-hmm. all there. And then, uh, of course, activism. You know, uh, we're talking about the Russians and how, you know, and so before we get into all this, I want to, you know, warn you guys, spoiler alert throughout, we are going to be talking about Stranger Things season four, the latest stuff. Now we are still awaiting, just like you, uh, for the last two episodes of season four, which I can't wait. Um, this season went above and beyond, don't you think? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Especially each one was like a, a movie length episode. Yeah. Was, and not just yeah. filler either. I no, mean, it felt well done, mm-hmm. well constructed. I was impressed. Yeah, I loved it. Um, and, and But there was a lot of tearjerker moments there. And that's kind of what I was talking about on the other episode, uh, using Max as a reference. And the reason why I used Max as a reference is because I think out of all those characters, she's probably the one that's struggling the worst. I think they're all struggling, but I think hers is the worst because her brother died, and uh, you know she's the broke living in a trailer park, yeah, and so she's the one home. that's shutting herself off from her friends and whatnot, and uh, and she got into this weird, dark, morose kind of dark place, and then and then uh, of course, as we learn on the show, that there's this uh, Vecna character. That is um, basically psychically attacking the the students of Hawkins High School, and as a result, uh, it's creating portals to the upside down. And we're like, oh, okay, interesting. And and I just feel like the way they led up to this, it's just fleshing out the world more. It's fleshing out the upside down. And I was just like, oh, okay, I get it. And uh, and while I don't think Vecna's going to be the main villain, I don't think he's as strong as uh, the Mind Flare. Because the Mind Flare seems to be the central ICU. The big ICP, baddie. You know, yeah. <laughs> but uh, perhaps we will get a big character in Season 5 that will be the big baddie who will either be the Mind Flare or will be some uh, servant of it. You know, that's probably what's going to happen, I yeah, would guess. Yeah. And, 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 and the reason why I know that is because this is a show about the 80s. You know, it was always about playing Nintendo and leveling up and all those things. So it's like, you, you just that know how true. it all works. It mm-hmm. all kind of just, uh, we, we viscerally understand the show because if you grew up in the 80s, it just feels right. And if you grew up playing gaming and playing video games, it just it's just all so telling. It's just all so visceral, you know? Yeah. So anyway, well, I wanted to get into the weeds of uh, the mental health aspects of the show. I want to get into the weeds of what the characters are going through. I also want to get into some of the powers and some of the worlds that they're building. Uh, first of all, I think let's start with the characters and then we'll work our way into uh, the, the psychic stuff. We'll get into the 
the upside down. But uh, starting out, I I really like this uh, season. They've they've all been pretty good. I thought I thought last season they were trying to be more light and more mm-hmm. neon. They were trying to show the neon pink and blues uh, hues of uh, the 80s. Because a lot of people, if you didn't live through it, you don't know what it was. But it wasn't all dark. It wasn't all... Um, it was, it, it was, it, there was a lot of sunshine and rainbows in the 80s. It was a lot yeah. of bright colors and whatnot. A lot whatnot. of fluff. A lot of fluff, <laughs> yeah. And that was why there was such a counterculture. And that's why when they introduced Eddie Munson, uh, the kind of dark uh, metalhead stoner guy, I was like, oh, yeah, I knew that guy. In fact, mm-hmm. I showed Rebecca that I grew up with that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and he's a famous musician today. Um, I didn't know him, though, but he was a... His name was Travis Larson. He has the Travis Larson band. And while he's not as stonerific as uh, Eddie, he he looks the part. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but anyway, um, I wanted to get into all the characters and why they're so good. And, and, and But more than that, I want to go into their grief and their struggles individually, one by one by one by one. So uh, I think we'll start with the tertiary characters and then work our way to the main characters. Uh, we'll just stay with the kids. I don't think the parents are quite as relevant on this show, even no, though they're just they're fantastic in their own right. Yeah, but they're they're kind of there to just bounce off the yeah the kids' just, predicaments. It's kind of like the just like the eighties and eighties movies, like Nightmare on Elm Street. They were just there to move the story along. Yeah, like oh, of course, abusive alcoholic parents. Why would it be anything <laughs> else? <laughs> um. But that is a real issue, you know, and that's the thing. Um, but I want to, let's talk with, well, let's let's start with uh, Nancy. Now, if you guys don't know Nancy Wheeler, she's the, um, she's the uh, uh, sister to uh, Mike. Mike Wheeler. Mm-hmm. And Mike is, uh, you know, the, the, the boyfriend of Eleven, et cetera, et cetera. So just in case you don't know all the names. Um, but what do you think is going on with Nancy? Uh, psychoanalyzer for me, please. <laughs> well, Nancy's just, she's very smart and she's very driven and she's getting ready to graduate from high school and she's got big goals and big dreams and mm-hmm. she's very torn with her relationship. Um, because what's his name? Oh my gosh. Jonathan yeah. isn't quite as, quite as driven, doesn't have quite the same drive as it's she does. Like the and they're 3,000, yeah. Thing. And they're 3,000 miles away now. So She's having this this dilemma of what she wants to do and yeah. how far she wants to go with things. I'm and- sensing I'm sensing that the the buyers are going to come back to Hawkins yeah. mm-hmm. and and now then there's not- going to be a love triangle between Steve, Nancy, I, yeah, and and I think that could be it. and what's his name again? Daniel, uh, Daniel Jonathan Jonathan. Jeez, I don't know why I said that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, she's driven. Um, I I feel like um, she does it because she doesn't really she's more mature than the other kids she's probably more on the ball than the other kids but i also believe that she's got a little bit of ocd her obsessive compulsive behavior is what drives her because she hates disarray like myself very Mm -hmm. much yeah um and so i relate to her in that regard because um i there was a time where i was driven it wasn't high school but but I was driven in my life, and um, she reminds me of my my inner OCD and my inner perfectionist. Yeah, and I like that they've kind of. She definitely has that side to her, but then she's also they, she's let her hair down a little bit. Oh yeah, like in this last episode, she's like, oh yeah, the the guns in my bedroom. 
Like, like what? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. So she, yeah, she's got this other side that she doesn't let everybody see all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad that they're giving her a chance to be more human. Um, you know, the nerdy characters, as it were. You know, she's not nerdy in the sense that the the kids are nerdy with the D and D. No, but she's driven and she's an A student. And um, but because she's kind of pretty and she's kind of socially um, sophisticated because she's intelligent, I think she could. She, she's going places. She can go anywhere she wants. Um, I like the fact that they're humanizing her more because in the, mm-hmm. she was more of a plot device in season one, and now she's actually becoming a real person. She's having yeah. guilt over the death of Barbara, and so she's at this place now where uh, she's you know they're they're getting out of the upside down, and uh, she falls and she ends up in Vecna's house, and she's trying to get out, and then she sees you know the corpse of Barb with that slug coming out yeah. of her mouth and. Oh, it just shows her that she's still hanging on to that years that later. Guilt, just, that yeah. guilt. That guilt. She's having survivor's guilt. Yeah, definitely. And so OCD, survivor's guilt. Uh, a lot of times people are driven because um, they're making up for something that they're lacking or lo- something they they think they're lacking in their life. And in this case, I think she's lacking control. She wants to have control over her life and mastery of her domain uh, because uh, frankly, she, I think she feels threatened by the kids that feel that are more natural, that are more, you know, easygoing. Those mm-hmm. people, she calls them losers, but in a, in a weird way, I think she's actually jealous of the popular kids. Yeah, I think so. I, <clears throat> yeah. She's kind of torn between the two worlds of yeah. being down to earth, but wanting to be the popular and the, the well-known and yeah. And that's why like she got drunk at that party and stuff and, Steve had to go, you know, rescue her and all that. Or, 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 or Jonathan had to go rescue her, remember? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, you're seeing the character grow. Uh, and, and, and so, yeah, I like that the fact that she's human. And we all we all kind of know that older sister. You know, I, I growing up had, you know, my friends had an older sister that was very much like that. And they were the kind of sister that was like, stay out of my room and things like that, you know, <laughs> when you were staying over and stuff. And, mm-hmm. You were secretly trying to sneak looks of her in her nightgown and shit. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I guess we could do this, keep it in the family. Let's talk about Mike Wheeler. <clears throat> now, if you guys don't know, Mike Wheeler uh, is played by uh, Finn Wolfhard. He uh, grew, now he's about eight foot tall. <laughs> he's a beanpole. <laughs> he yeah, really he grew, is. didn't he? Yep, he it's did. so weird seeing these characters grow up, but... um. What do you think about what is psychologically speaking? Let's stay in the psychological realm. What is what is his character all about? What do you what psychological traits do you see there? He's one of the ones that I'm kind of the least sure about. He just, mm-hmm. I mean, he's grown, he's developed, but I couldn't even say exactly what. Honestly, yeah. Well, he's I just think kind what, of there. What attracted us to him in the beginning, I think, was his inquisitiveness. He was just that quintessential nerd. And we all like that because we all have that in us. You know, he was small, skinny, gangly, still is. And I think he was the inner nerd. Um, But yeah, as far as like, I see that he's having emotional growth problems. Like he can't admit that he loves L because it's, that's at that age where saying you love someone is, oh, no, I'm not saying I love a girl, Mm -hmm. you know. Even though we totally did, you know, I, yeah. I think that's his emotional growth is his 
character arc, I believe, is to grow into who he really is, which is a romantic. Yeah. At heart. That's Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's yeah, what I think. I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I like yeah. that take. Mm-hmm. And I think we all relate to him because, yeah, he's just that classic nerd. I mean, we love that. Yeah. And he's so, he, he kind of reminds you, like, of Elliot from the E2 movies in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't Definitely. know. I can totally see that. Yeah. Uh, who else? Okay, keeping it in the nerd club. Uh, <laughs> what about Dustin? Uh, he's uh, Dustin Henderson, played by uh, Gaten. Uh, what's Gaten Mazzarano, I believe. Yeah, G- Gaten Mazzarano. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's the kid that season one, he had no teeth. Mm-hmm. He has a condition. Uh, do you remember the name of that condition, hon? I do not. We should look it up. I will look it up right now. <laughs> uh, uh, it's called uh, clitocranial dysplasia, or CCD, a rare disorder which primarily affects growth of teeth and collarbones. And so they don't have collarbones a lot of mm-hmm. times, and uh, sometimes they don't have teeth. Um, and I, he, honestly, I feel is the um, the glue that really makes this show feel real. Because yeah. in the first season, like, you you buy that they're all from the 80s, but you really buy that he's <laughs> yeah. from the 80s. <laughs> yeah, he kind of, definitely. like, he's the chunk character, if you will. Mm-hmm. He's the misfit character, um, but he fits right in there. And I love his character because, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but, you know, because, like, the Wheelers, they, you know, in season, I think, three, they were voting for Reagan. They're the conservatives. They're the churchgoers. And then he's more of the single mom Democrats, which I relate to. I was the single mom Democrat. Yeah, for sure. Um, But uh, yeah, no, I love his character because um, he's smart. uh, He's he's funny. um, I don't know. What what would you say from a psych? Say what you like about him and then talk about his psychological makeup. Yeah, Yeah, I love that he's smart and funny and he's the most unapologetic nerd of them all. He's the most secure yeah. in his nerddom. Like he yeah. doesn't give two shits about what anybody thinks about him, what he's doing, what he's playing, what he's wearing. He's just himself. Yeah. And he's the most authentic yeah. self, I think of all of them. Because Absolutely. He's secure in his, who he is. And why do you suppose that is? I think, I think his mom probably distilled that in, in mm. him. I think, Growing up with a condition as the actor and the character. Yeah, he has a condition in real life and the character yeah. has it. Too, so I so, think yeah. he probably just, I think he grew strong from that. I think that, yeah, he realized that um, I have this condition. There's no way to hide it. And therefore, I'm going to embrace it. And so mm-hmm. he also embraced everything that he is. Everything about he himself. Loves. Yeah. He's into like the band. He, do you see his banjo camp? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, thing. He's, his he, thinking his cap hat. <laughs> Where did he meet her again? It was some, a camp somewhere. They some camp, I, yeah. some nerd camp or something. Uh-huh, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I like him because, yeah, he's he's a terrific actor for one. Uh, but but yeah, he's the most unapologetically nerdy. I have to agree. And uh, psychologically, um, they, they haven't gone into him liking girls. They haven't really gone into his sexuality. They haven't really gone into much uh, in terms of his story arc. What do you think psychologically his story arc is, if any? I think he's, well, yeah, he's dating Susie, remember? Well, that's true. It's, yeah, even though she's not in the picture, like, there. That's but, true. But, yeah, I think The Mormon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, he's the agnostic. He's the agnostic. And, I like that dynamic, too. Yeah, it's like, 
exactly. Like she's in trouble because she's dating an agnostic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's up. just. I think he's going to kind of continue to be the glue that holds them together, and he's just going to continue being himself and doing what he does. And yeah, because he's so likable, everybody just kind of they're, they're going to keep going along with him because well, it's Dustin. And his relationship with Steve fucking is oh, it's amazing. Gold, it's so good, lightning yeah. in a bottle. Yeah, it absolutely yeah, is. Absolutely. Anything else on Dustin? No. I like him. He's just mm-hmm. a likable guy. Yeah. Okay, so what about uh so we'll we'll keep it in the age group and then we'll go up to the next tier. Uh Lucas Sinclair, the yes. uh wonderful played uh, uh character uh played by um here it is um played by Caleb McLaughlin. Okay. Um if you guys don't know, he's the African American character. Um I love his character. You know, he's he was very like first season I loved him because like he broke stereotypes because he would get angry and upset a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And and I thought that was really risky because, you know, you've heard the old cliche of oh, yeah. nobody can play be the angry black guy or uh-huh. angry black man or angry yeah. black person. Yeah. And um the fact that he gets upset at things just like everybody else, I was like, Yes, that's refreshing. They make sure it's addressing not- the fact that we can all behave like who we are rather than by some stereotype or being held back yeah. by some stereotype. He just or cliche. is like, yeah, he's himself. And that's, yeah. it doesn't matter what color he is. And that's exactly. That's and the and good also thing about this whole thing with these characters. They so, don't so, care. So talk about uh, his, um, his, his story arc, his psychological uh, profile and uh, perhaps his relationship with Max. Well, he's definitely, one of the most torn between who he wants to be and what he wants to be. Cause once they get to high school, he's obviously got the athletic side because he joins the basketball well, and team. He's and one he's one of the, it's, I think like, and he's the one that looks cool. He's handsome. He's got good hair and he's athletic. And so, yeah, he, if there was going to be an outlier who was torn between the nerd world and the athletic mm-hmm. world, it would be him because some yeah. just don't have it in the cards. Yeah, exactly. You know? So he can, and it's, he's, <laughs> I can't tell yet if he's going to try to to walk the line between the two worlds or if he's just going full boat back into his yeah, old it's friends. Yeah, to say because he re- that reminds me of me a lot because I was a little bit of a nerd and I was a little bit of a drama geek and I was a little bit of a stoner and I was a little bit of, you know, uh, of an athlete. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I kind of just fit right in there. But, um, yeah. yeah, I think, you know... Uh, Psychologically speaking, I I love that he was like finally like I see you, Max. I'm here now. I didn't see you before, but now I do. Yeah, I love that scene. That sweet. made me mm-hmm. fucking cry. Yeah, man. It was me great. too. Yeah, absolutely. And I love just because he was the one that was there for Max when she first moved and mm-hmm. talked about California and how much she missed things. And he just really was there for her to let her open up and become friends with him. Yeah, he was kind of the bridge between her, the new kid in town. And the group of friends. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, and um, he's, he's so, I don't know. He's, 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 he's kind. He's just a very yeah. kind kid. And I, I don't know. I just, I like him a lot. Yeah. And I like how they did show the conflict and how he was feeling when he was hanging out with the basketball kids and seeing how they were seeing treating others. Conflicted. And I really yeah. thought he was going to sell them out. And then when you find out that they were somewhere else, right. I was that like, was, Oh, thank God. Right. Yeah, oh, exactly. Just you. cemented that he is a really good a good person. And just kid. so you know, his name is Lucas, and that should give you nods to the movie Lucas from the 80s. 
Oh, yeah. Did you catch mm-hmm. that little I reference? I actually haven't. Four years in, I still haven't ca- hadn't caught that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, yeah, great character. You know, I hope he just rides the line between being athletic and a nerd. Mm-hmm. He can do that. He's the kind of kid who's smart and athletic. He's a triple threat. And so just go be that, man. Yeah. But Why the only problem, back? well, because the problem with that is that a lot of people that age won't allow that to happen. Yeah, like well, the the cool kids wouldn't allow you to hang out but, with the but nerds. But perhaps or, now that he, the you know the eighties are moving along, mm-hmm. chugging into the nineties, perhaps he will become more open minded mm-hmm. as time yeah. goes on, and that will teach him that he can ride that line between mm-hmm. both worlds yeah. because he's good at it. Yeah, he is, and I think yeah, he might be able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we'll get around to Erica because I know everybody wants to talk about Erica because she's great. Uh, but first, let's keep it in the main circle yeah. first, and then we'll mm-hmm. work our way to tertiary characters, and then we'll work up to the older age groups. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's go to Will Byers. Will Byers. Will yeah. Byers uh, is an enigma. Um, I have a feeling, I you know, I don't is this. I mean, it doesn't take an empath right to see that he might be gay. Yeah, we had watched some reviews last season, I think, and somebody was was thinking that was where they were going with his character. Yeah, and, well, and I couldn't tell whether that was acting or whether Noah Schnapp, the actor, might be gay. Mm-hmm. You know, he's yeah. just got a... It's very hint. It's very faint. And that's okay. Like I said, no judgment here. This is oh, a yeah. judgment-free zone. I, I'm all for it. But, you know, is it, is is it the actor just that's the way he is and he's going through an awkward, gawky stage? Or is that just great acting? What do you think? I think it's just really great acting because he's yeah. more composed in real life. He seems more, yeah, more on it and with it. So I think it's he's just a really great actor. I think. Yeah, and, no, I I didn't know if he was going to be a good actor because when he was kidnapped in season one, or not kidnapped, but when he was in the Upside Down for all that time, for him to finally come back and be able to finally act rather than just sit in a shed. Yeah, um, yeah. I wasn't sure what we were going to get. Um, I. You really have to be a good actor, though, for everybody to care about you that much. For, because the entire show hinged on that kid being missing. Yeah, the whole first season. The whole yeah. first season, mm-hmm. right. And so now that he's back, I was really glad in season two to see what a good actor he is. I was impressed. Yeah. He's a great actor. He's very good. And yeah. now that he, they're they're getting big. they're Shit, they're almost big as me now. <laughs> Might be taller. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, what do you think uh, in terms of... You know, not only his sexuality and the possibility that he might come out, what do you think about what happened to him and being kidnapped and being in the uh, upside down all that time did to him psychologically? Do you think that's going to affect him and and to what degree? I think, yeah, I think because of all that, he's very, he's a very complex character because he was, he was missing that whole time. So he missed that whole, however long that time span was. He missed that time of bonding with his friends. They all had this experience of figuring out what was going on and where he was and what yeah. was happening. So he was gone for all that. So he yeah. didn't have that intense bonding experience. True. He came back. He missed you that time. You bond through adversity. Yeah. And he wasn't there for yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I think he kind of feels like an outcast a little bit. Not intentional on anybody's part. Right. Because of that. He wasn't there for that, even though he knows that they care about him. But yeah. perhaps he feels... Maybe he feels estranged because not only did he spend a lot of time there, which might have changed him biologically or energetically, perhaps. Yeah, definitely psychologically. Who knows whether or not spending a lot of time in the Upside Down does something to you. 
But more than that, yeah, the estrangement of of knowing that all your friends bonded around you, but you weren't there for it. Mm-hmm. It's got to be mm-hmm. at least in a small way. Uh, he must feel a little bit like an outcast. Yeah, I think and then so. if he's gay on top of that, we don't know that yet. Trying to deal with that, but if he ends up coming it, out, mm-hmm. that would mm-hmm. make him feel like an alien all the more, especially in the eighties yeah. where it wasn't quite as common. Yeah, definitely. And he seemed to like. I don't remember which season was two or three um, matured a little slower than some of them. So like, you know, Mike's going off and getting a girlfriend and they're doing other things. And, and he he's like, I just want to play, play D&D, D&D like the old days. Exactly. So, I, you know, I, I relate to that because I was just like at the age, like, why do we got to grow up? Like, you yeah. know, when you grow up, everybody wants to, is in a hurry to grow up and you just want to be a kid for a while longer. Mm-hmm. And I related to that because yeah. I'm still that way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I think he's a very complex, really, really great character. I agree. And he's very smart. He's very bright. And they're yeah. all bright actors. So it, yeah. they can play it any way they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, babe. So who's next? Uh, Max Mayfield. Max. Yeah. So talk about Max. She's a complex character, huh? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, she's great. She's a redhead. So, you know, you relate. I relate. <laughs> yeah. And she's from California. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So she came in moving cross country into the school that That's she'd never right. been to. I almost this, forgot about that. Into this group of established friends. Yeah. And they just kind of kind of took to her and accepted her into their fold. And she yeah. became one of them. And yeah, and now that her brother uh, died and uh, she's living in this trailer park, her uh, stepdad is out of the picture for the better, I think. Um, but she's still dealing with a lot of uh, re- harsh realities socioeconomically and, and whatnot. Um, what do you feel? She was very closed off at the beginning, and then you kind of find out the reason that might have been was because she was making herself psychically susceptible Based on her insecurities, I think that was the same for the uh, Chrissy character, the one that first one that died. Is that mm-hmm. any person who's susceptible psychically uh, starts exhibiting these symptoms, and then over time they become sort of um, prey to Vecna. Yeah. So, what do you think it is about her that made her susceptible? Where was she? At? What state is she in? And uh, what do you think about her uh, uh, psychological? Um, story arc yeah well, the main reason she's so susceptible is her guilt over billy dying yeah and i think a big part of her guilt is because she did hate him right <laughs> he hated her she hated him and then yeah. when he died yeah. she felt guilty and I partially she, because they he had kind of come around a little bit there's the a end, part so of there her a, that loves him a part yeah. of her that likes mm-hmm. him but then there was a lot of her her that just couldn't deal because yeah he was a bully he was mm-hmm. psychopath he was yeah he was crazy, mean you know? and horrible mean to and her awful. and yeah, i think yeah. she as an older step sibling like she looked up to him and then he treated her like shit so she was constantly trying to to please him in some way yeah. and then when he did die she felt guilty about it even though it wasn't her fault yeah. but she, that everything just kind of piled onto her and just made her feel guilt and shame and sadness and what depression. Th- and- yeah, no, I, I agree. What do you think of her in terms of, because I really do believe this season uh, is very much uh, Max heavy in the sense that she seems to be uh, holding out the emotional um, pillar, if you will, in terms of uh, depression, sadness, being closed off from friends. You want to talk about that sense of, we, we had that word the other day, 
Anime? Ennui. Ennui. That's yes. it. Ennui. Mm-hmm. That's a word that I forgot a long time ago. It was a word that I thought really captured things. You want, um, let's let's define that real quick. Okay, hun. So go ahead and uh, tell the folks what that word is again and what it means. Well, the exact definition is a feeling of listlessness and dissatisfaction arising from a lack of occupation or excitement. And, and spell it for us, it's please. It's E-N-N-U-I. And it's pronounced ennui. Is that a French word or something? Must be. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. But um, similar um, words are boredom, tedium. Yeah. So. So it's kind of like a. Depression. A restless, depressed state of mm-hmm. feeling ostracized or alienated, perhaps. Yeah. Or just not knowing, what, just kind of unmoored, I think. Like just kind of floating around, not knowing what you're doing, where you're going. Yeah. yeah. Listless. Yeah. Perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, because I, I, I really related to her character. The only difference is I'm a boy version. And um, I use her as, a, as an example because I grew up in trailer parks. I grew up with a, a single parent. I grew up uh, sort of with this sense of um, I think everybody did in the 90s. We just grow up with that that feeling of emo, <laughs> mm-hmm. for lack yeah. of better words, because you're so frustrated and upset all the time that you shut down and uh, you want to speak on that a little bit well i think it's something that so many people go through and in the 80s it wasn't as prevalent that people would let it be known so it was something that i think she felt like she had to anybody that felt like that especially in high school you had to hide it and that was what all these kids had in common is that they were dealing with things but they had to hide it. They had to feel like they had to be, right. especially the the cheerleaders and the basketball player, they had to be on all the time. So they couldn't yeah. admit to any of this happening. And Max just didn't care. So she just shut herself off and just kind of lived in her own little world. Right. And then, so what do you think about the fact that she's went through this Vecna? They found out that music does something to your brain that helps you, um, not you go, connect, be under the spell of Vecna. It helps you connect to reality, to your yeah, life. Yeah, and it opened up this portal mm-hmm. back home. Yeah. And she got out of the clutches of Vecna. Uh, mm-hmm. That scene was powerful. Just speak on that real quick. That scene made me cry both times yeah, I watched too. it. Yeah, me too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's Very powerful. because I love how they brought music into it because music is such a powerful thing for so many people. And it's, right. the point of it was that that just kind of walks you onto your actual life and it just brings back feelings and emotions and things that have happened in your life. And it's just a, a lifeline. And yeah. it was, it literally was for her. When it, And it felt, it felt figurative and literal mm-hmm. that she was finally back. Like mm-hmm. at that moment yeah. she was back. Yeah. She had been closed off all this time. And when mm-hmm. she saw the threat of what it would do to her psychologically and literally now with Vecna, Mm -hmm. she realized that she needed friends. She needed to be around people because when she was alone, it made her susceptible to Vecna because she was hurting and she was closed off. And that made her susceptible because she didn't have that, that support group. And I think that's what made her psychically vulnerable to psychic attack. And even though she didn't realize that they were there for her and with her the whole time. They were literally there waiting to pick her up when she fell back down to where sure. they were. Well, that's what I love about the show is just the sense of friendship and kindness mm-hmm. because there's something about the times we're living in now where it feels to me like we're becoming too judgmental. We're becoming too perfectionist of each other and we're, we're kind of holding each other to perfect standards 
all the while uh, barely clinging, barely hanging on ourselves. And and so I, I'm hopeful that people watch shows like this, and it makes people learn how to human better. It's yeah. not that people are – because the truth is, is why should it be any different today? I mean, people are people are people, so there really mm-hmm. should be no reason why people are different other than maybe technology takes us away from each other a little bit. That's definitely a thing. Yeah. yeah for sure. I agree. Yeah. And I, I really love the fact that – because so many make, people make things weird when men and women or boys and girls have friendships that are just platonic. And I right. love how it's just – it's a thing. They're just friends. She's yeah, there was yeah. this group of three guys, and she's the lone girl, and it just it doesn't even well, matter. She was They're a, just she's, friends. She was a tomboy anyways, mm-hmm. and I think she's finally coming around to be a little bit more feminine. Mm-hmm. Well, she did last season, remember her? Yeah. Had their little mall day. And... The mall day stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. Let's see here. Okay. How about Erica Sinclair? <laughs> she's... She's a little spitfire. She's a little spitfuck, and I love her, and, and, and she's got to be, I would say, the, the funniest part of the show. Yeah. So good. Yeah. She just, she knows who she is and she just does not give a fuck. Yeah. And she's also the blackest. Like, she's just like unapologetically herself. And I love that. Yeah. I think my favorite part was when she, she went to sub for the D and D game and Eddie's like trying to be all condescending to her. Like you're probably a level one dwarf or goblin or whatever and she's like oh no i'm good and i'm lady applejack and level this and that and just put him in his place and and then i respected how they made his character be like okay yeah he was like instead of getting all like about it he didn't get butthurt he accepted yes you're right yeah when you're wrong you're wrong Mm -hmm. yeah and and he he was prejudging her, and and she showed mm-hmm. him. And I love that she walked in with the American flag on I know. all this. She was, and but, I was noticing on second viewing her her bow and her hair was a flag. She had flag earrings. Like yeah. she was all she's all she's all decked out. Patriotic. And it was, out. Yeah. yeah. It was, um, we'll talk psychologically about who she is, what her character represents. If she was an archetype, what would it be, and what is her psychological story arc? I think as an archetype, she would be like the the new york businesswoman who didn't take any shit and yeah. knew exactly what she wanted and right like she do you she, feel like that's a front for something more vulnerable i think she does have that little vulnerable side yeah she does show sometimes so yeah. i think it's just i think it's just all her and i love how she'll like she'll blackmail them for information to get what she <laughs> wants but then once she's there she's in it and she's loyal and she's your friend and she i was gonna take say care of you and do you feel like she's somehow emotionally wooden or hollow because she's such a tough woman i don't think so yeah no i don't think so i think it's it's a little bit of a front so she doesn't get stepped on yeah to to protect her vulnerable she's a little bit younger than the rest Mm -hmm. not that you can really tell because Mm -hmm. she's playing she's only two years younger than the other actors yeah in real life she's playing like 11 12 year old Mm -hmm. exactly so yeah i think she she can be manipulative but it's just because she wants to be involved in things. And I think she it wants started to... off being a, um, like, she wasn't going to get stepped on by her older brother's nerdy friends. Mm-hmm. And now she's sort of become, like, she's warmed up to them all, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because they've think... accepted her more. And she's, because she's the she's little smart, sister. And that's always And hard. she is nerdy, but she's not nerdy. Do, mm-hmm. Speak on that. Well, yeah, she. I didn't expect her to know the whole D and D thing, right. and the fact that she has that whole nerdy side that we didn't even know about. Well, I, she I she seems it. like she really knows who she is. She seems mm-hmm. like she would be a a good student, an achiever, 
Mm-hmm. And um, but like I said, yeah, a lot of times when you see a character like that, it's because they're hiding some deep vulnerability. Do mm-hmm. you think that's there? I think she's got it there. Yeah, I think it might. And to be what hiding extent? What do you think? I think she's hiding. It's probably pretty deep. I think mm-hmm. honestly, yeah. and just as the little sister, she she does. Maybe she like just has a little stuff. sister complex, and she's mm-hmm. like, "Oh no, you are not going right. to yeah. throw me mm-hmm. into that." Yeah. I'm, in other I'm words, she's stepping you guys up to show I'm, everybody, I'm a human being, too, and I'm an yeah. evil, damn it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and just especially, like, for her age, too, like, you know, the, they have her in that town hall meeting <clears throat> talking about the Hellfire Club. Yeah. And they're totally misrepresented, and she stands up in front of the whole town. That's bullshit. <laughs> That's a club for nerds. That's a club for nerds. <laughs> like, what did she <laughs> say in season one? To this day, we quote that. Oh, man. You remember um, Okay, so we found it. Remember when she would say, shit up. That <laughs> <laughs> was great. But then in looking for that, we came across a whole bunch of her other famous lines that were, she's just a sassy molassy. Yeah. And I love her. Yeah, she's fun. She doesn't take no shit from anybody. And yeah, she's a lot of fun. Um, but she'll be there when you need her. Yeah, exactly. For a price. For a, yeah, for a price, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's all the younger characters, right? Other than, I mean, because we want to stick just to the main characters. We don't, mm-hmm. we'll be here all day if we yeah. do all the characters. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then uh, of the older characters, uh, let's see here. What about, what about good old Steve Harrington? The popular mm-hmm. kid, the rich kid. Uh, it's the swimming pool where Barb died at his house. And mm-hmm. then he was written as a, as a bad guy that was supposed to die that was supposed to die yeah, yeah and then he was so good that they they slowly made him a good guy mm-hmm. and now we love him yeah steve the babysitter he redeems himself he does oh absolutely so so talk about i mean we all love him he's great even mm-hmm. i would wear a shirt of him on it because he's he's just so much fun mm-hmm. um talk about his psychological makeup and his story arc yeah, well, season one, he's breaking Jonathan's camera and he's being a total dick and hanging was, out with the douchebags. Douche yeah, yeah, and he, was, he just he was billed as the the, the bad yeah, guy, and that and he season. basically, I think he just got scared straight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shit happened with the the Demogorgons, and he just kind of came, came to around, love. Them. He, yeah, he, because he was protective, and he was the older kid, and something about the seriousness of the situation had them all bond around this. Mm-hmm strange situation that's what i love about adversity adversity builds character but it also brings people together because mm-hmm. if something fantastical is going on even if it doesn't even have to be that crazy but that's the cool thing about when you become friends with someone in a situation that's hard or difficult it's is that it, it brings you together because yeah. there's safety in those numbers mm-hmm. absolutely so i think they just kind of bonded through these experiences and he realized that his old life was shallow and he just made these friendships and they're just going to, yeah, cause he was basically just trying to get women and, and play. But he still kind of is. He's huh? still, he still kind of is. Cause oh, yeah. you know, he's talking, he's dating everybody. He's and still he's aloof, but, I, and, but you see that it's kind of a, a an act. It's yeah. not really him. There's more to him than that. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's scholastically an achiever. I don't even think he's really much of an achiever at all. He's yeah. got a job. He works at the video store, and that's good, you mm-hmm. know. But I don't. He strikes me as the kid that just has the cool hair and the good car, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, he's got that that upper middle class lifestyle, and and he he's kind of like 
the bitch slayer, you know, where yeah. he tries to get as many notches of women as he can. And yeah. now that he's gone through this crazy thing with these kids, he's coming out the other end. And now he's like the trusted babysitter. It's yeah. Funny. And him and Dustin's relationship. That's and right. they're kind of like bickering through the whole season. And then on the, the last season, the last episode seven, they're in the upside down. And Eddie said, you know, Dustin, like worships you. Yeah. He loves you. And he, see, I think really? he was feeling like insecure about it. Yeah. Because they were bickering so much, but they're bickering like an old couple that loves each other. Like, yeah. they're just. Yeah. And, and I just love that they brought him into the fold. And he seems to be the punching bag. He gets his ass kicked every season. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, um, keeps coming back. And he's, he's growing on me because he's, he's funny. He's aloof. Uh, and, and yeah, he really cares. He's the babysitter. Mm-hmm. He's, he yeah. looks out for everybody. Yeah. I think that's neat. Yeah. He and had, that would kind of harken to like, uh, you know, like in the Goonies, that would be like, um, Josh Brolin's character, yeah, the older totally. brother or something. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What about Jonathan Byers? Now, Jonathan Byer, as you guys know, is, uh, Will's older brother. He's the one that kind of got him into rock and all that, you know, the first season, and uh, he was the, you know, I like his character because he's, um, he's kind of got like a, I don't know, kind of like a, a Kevin Bacon j- jive going, mm-hmm. you know? He's just, yeah. And he's, he's, he's all heart, you know, Nancy, ta- like, the reason why she likes him is, oh, he just dives right into trouble. He's so committed. He's so, you know, he just cares and he just so, he has mm-hmm. such willpower. Uh, speak on his character and, yeah. um, you know, him moving and becoming friends with Argyle and becoming somewhat of a stoner. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk on talk on his uh, story arc and yeah. his psychological makeup. Yeah, I think he, the stoner laid back part of him has always been there. And um, now that he's away from Nancy, like he loves her and he wants to be with her. But at the same time, he's not as driven as she is. Yeah. So the plan was to go to this, this serious college back east, and he's like, I really just want to go to the community college here in California. Well, you know what like, he reminds me of, uh, if I was to pick a character? Uh, in Stand By Me, remember uh, River Phoenix's character? Mm-hmm. He's the kid yeah. who comes from the other side of the tracks, but he's a ne'er-do-well that has good intentions, mm-hmm. and then grows up to become a lawyer. Yeah. Like he reminds me of someone who would be driven if if given a chance. Like I feel like the only reason he's not more scholastic or a, a greater achiever is because he's creative. Yeah, and he doesn't necessarily want to be that. Yeah, he's a creative type and mm-hmm. he just doesn't want to be constrained by societal rules and norms. Yeah. yeah and definitely. so at the end of the day, I feel like he's all heart and um if given a chance, I think he would succeed in school too. Yeah. If he put his mind to it and really felt like that was what he wanted to do. But if right. he doesn't want to, then he's not going to. Yeah. What do you think uh, is his story arc in terms of the he's whole show? He's kind of the same, along the same lines of Steve. He was just kind of the aloof older sibling, and then he got dragged into this stuff, and now he cares about all of them and yeah, wants you, to help and wants to What do you think about the love triangle? What are your hopes about that? And if, any, if I mean, what do you think is going to happen there? Yeah. Honestly, I, it can be a poly poly threesome. Polyamorous <laughs> couple. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> That's funny. Well, because Nancy has both sides to her. Yeah. And each guy represents a different side of her, yeah, I think. I agree. One's the more sophisticated, rich, upper class. And Jonathan's the lower class, but artsy and fun and cool. And they've just got different. Yeah, they've got different sides to her. And they each click with a, per, a part of her. 
Now, have have we seen much about uh, Will and Steve Harrington together? Are not they really? Are I they even because they're not they're not friends, are they? They probably remember. could be, but they're. I don't know. But if we haven't seen really them together make amends much. yet, no. have we? They've never really interacted much that I can think of. Yeah, I can't remember either. Circling, I think their you're circumstances right. circle each other, and they haven't had to a chance to be there. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. bet you that is what will happen Maybe. in season yeah. five: is that there'll be a love triangle, and they will have to get to know each other. Mm-hmm. And then I'll bet you that she's going to side neither because to spare them. Yeah, that's what I'll. That's very possible. That's probably what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, I think. But it'll be in a way where they're all still friends. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you got to right. have the you emotional well, satisfying Because yeah. they've got all state friends yeah. after all this nonsense they've gone through. So Right. Yeah. Okay, so last but not least, uh, what about uh, Robin? Her mm-hmm. name is Robin Buckley, Bucklev, and she's played by Maya Hawk. So. She's great. They just, yeah, and I don't know what their intention was with her character from the mm-hmm. beginning, but, you know, she met... Met Steve at, at Ships Ahoy ice cream parlor, and of and course, they were in those silly outfits yeah, all of right? last season. Uh-huh. The little sailor hat, and the, yeah. So, and of course, Scoops because Ahoy. she's this really pretty girl, he's trying to get in her pants until you know she confesses that she's a lesbian, and he's like, "Oh, and he's, okay, and yeah." That and was then, the, that was the bathroom stall scene. Yeah, and then from that, that point great. on, he's trying to help her get a girl. Like he was just like took in stride, like, oh, okay. All right. All right, yeah. And then I like, they still haven't, none of the other characters have really found out yet because they all mention the fact that, well, you haven't, you're not dating Robin, so you must be stuck on Nancy. And he's kind of like, well, there's a reason, but I'm not going to say it because that's her choice. There's a chance to to put out out her, right. Yeah, exactly. Especially in those those days, days, it wasn't necessarily as normal as it is. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Even now it's hard. So 30, 40 years ago. Man, that was 40 years ago? Yeah. 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 40 years ago. Um, It was definitely a different thing. So I just love that they just kind of fell into this brother, sister, best friends relationship. And it's, she became, she just kind of, she got thrown into all this shit and just accepted. Okay. Weird shit's happening. I'm part of it. We're all group now. Yeah. You know, uh, I, um, I, in the last season I took to her and I like her character a lot. Um, This season they're, they're giving her a chance to grow and I, I didn't realize just how quirky she is. Mm-hmm. She's fabulous. Yeah. She's so quirky. And I love the, that they put her and Nancy together because yeah. they're total opposite. Total opposite. She's but so then at the straight-laced end. and well put together, and mm-hmm. she's so, like, off the wall. Yeah, but then at the end, you know, Robin makes the comment, like, I just want all my friends to be happy, and Nancy's like, is that any more friends? Like, it's just, yeah. It, yeah, it was just sweet. It was really cute. Yeah, no, I, exactly. So I think that's really it. Is there anything else you can think of in terms of, did we miss anybody there? Um, Just the newest of Eddie. I mean, Eddie, he's a big yeah, part of the new Eddie, season. Yeah. He's great. Eddie Munson. So he's, if you guys don't know, uh, or if you probably remember, is that he was the character that witnessed Chrissy dying in his trailer. She was trying to score some pot or something heavier because she was having all these uh, scary thoughts. She was having uh, hallucinations of, of, of her mother and uh, pregnancy and all these things, being forced into a shotgun pregnancy type of situation. And, yeah, uh, I'm, not sh- I've, I'm not sure if it was pregnancy or eating disorder. I can't. I think like, there's a little bit of both. I, there. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of, it was, they made it kind of ambiguous, I think. But it the could've... point is, is that, yeah, she, he witnessed her death. And uh, I like that scene with uh, them in the woods behind the school. That was, I was just going to say that. That was one of my favorite because, scenes. Because, yeah, they they were, it, they, they put their, 
they took off their facade. They put, took their mask off, the off and you could see and they were the likability of both of them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They're out in the woods. And he like made it a point to say, nobody will see us. Nobody ever comes out here. So we can just drop it and we can, we can just drop be ourselves. The act. And they just, it was really sweet because yeah. they were like, you don't remember me. Well, how about this? And then she's like, oh yeah. Cro- what was it? Croated coffin or whatever their band was. Yeah. And, and she totally remembered it. And they had this little bonding and it was cute because it was just two people letting down their, their guard that you have that to have in high school, high school mm-hmm. who you have to and be. just being themselves. And it was really, yeah, exactly. Really sweet. I liked it. Well, and, and speak on his um, story arc and, and his psychological profile. Obviously uh, he ran for the Hills when this shit happened. I think, that's the thing is we all think we'd be brave in that situation. But if something supernatural took place in front of you, you would shit a brick and run away too, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And then of course now he's being ostracized as being the murderer when clearly we know he did nothing. And that actually, I just, this just came to me. There's, it kind of harkens to, there were some murders back in the eighties and the three metal heads that were in town got blamed for it. I cannot remember what I remember. Eddie Vedder was like a big proponent of them when they were in jail, but it's, it was probably hearkening back to that situation. Oh, I didn't he know was, about that. Yeah. I watched a documentary on it when you were working one time and yeah. it was, I bet that's where they got it from. They literally were the metal kids in town. So they got blamed. Right. Okay. So um, yeah, it was, they ended up being coined the West Memphis three and the there West? was just West Memphis. Three. Memphis. You, you Memphis said Memphis. <laughs> I wasn't sure what you said. I'm sorry. I didn't mean anything. But Okay. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah. So, it was murders of some little boys in this town. Yeah. And they automatically focused on these three kids who were kind of the outcasts. They were kind of the goth metal kids. Oh, and- was that the ones with the stop sign involved where they stole a stop sign? And somebody remember. died from it. No. Oh, okay, That's it must different. be a different thing because <laughs> I remember something like these kids got, uh, uh, you know, they they removed a stop sign. Somebody died in a car wreck, and then they got pinned for the murders. Anyways, oh, no, that was, was a different story. It was, okay, it was a totally different one. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and um. So yeah, I bet they kind of based that on that because that was kind of the type of kids that they were. There. What the year did kids. that take place? It was in nineteen ninety three. Oh, okay. So it was, oh, no, then, yeah. So it was a little bit later than the storyline, but yeah. I bet that was kind of well, it, it, the feel that they had. Yeah, I was going to say, they, they borrow things <clears throat> in a general sense because time has a way of not knowing. Now, they can't introduce music that didn't come yet, and they can't introduce things that didn't come yet, but, but a the general theme they the can do themes, because yeah. the, the mm-hmm. vibe is all... History has a way of forgetting. We kind of smoosh it all together. Yeah, you know? but if, if any of you have not heard about that there's a i think it was hbo that did a documentary there's a three-part documentary on it it's a, it's a pretty fascinating story so do you want to give them the name to that so it was called paradise lost the paradise child murders okay. at robin hood hill yeah i didn't see that yeah, so, yeah i remember i was watching it when you were at work okay. <clears throat> you were still working at blows yeah you know the one thing i like about eddie's character is not only does he Harken to like Eddie Van Halen, the look and the vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's also much more complex than just a stoner dummy. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. there is much more than me. See, I want to kind of speak about not only what his psychological makeup might be in a story arc, but also perhaps, uh, you know, why they introduced him and, you know, as a, as a coward and where he's going. And mm-hmm. we, we yeah. can all probably tell where that might right. end up. Leading. Yeah. Yeah, I just like him because, like, there's that one scene in the cafeteria where he's all, like, 
talking to the whole cafeteria and being all brash and bold. And I think that it he's like that to hide his vulnerability. And, and that his, reminded his me of the Judd side. Nelson character yeah. in The Breakfast Club. <clears throat> yeah, you know? definitely. He was mm-hmm. kind of the, I don't know, the awkward misfit slash... Mm-hmm political militant if you will yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. and he puts on this facade but underneath he's just well yeah he's a nerd and he's weird and he likes music and all that and he's a stoner but yeah but he's also uh yeah he's a talented musician mm-hmm. uh, uh and he's he, he's really smart as a dungeon master mm-hmm. and then he's got that weird nerdy side and and he, he just kind of accepts that he's a freak you yeah. know mm-hmm. and he kind of challenges people. He knows exactly. Yeah. He can get right into who they are and just yes. challenge it right away. Get under their skin. I almost feel like he's way. an empath in that way. He just yeah. has radar to know people. Yeah. I Yeah, that's a good And it, a good I thought that's really neat yeah. because he doesn't, you know, he you think he's going to play like a dumb stoner, but no, quite the opposite. He mm-hmm. There's there's something there going on. Yeah. And he does have this, this way of connecting with people, like when they're in the upside down and he's having this conversation with Steve, like he has a way to, to get people to open up and bring them into his fold. Yeah. And it seems like his character is, you know, he's, Oh man, I didn't realize I was such a coward. And mm-hmm. now that, because what's happening is, is his whole life, he's been a dungeon master co- concocting these stories to put people through these trials of bravery and fantasy and now that he's in one himself, he, he he's recoiling and re- he realizes mm-hmm. I'm a coward. Oh, shit. Which is okay in that situation. Right. I mean, shit. Anybody but, came across that stuff. Well, of course. <laughs> but and, and that's what's so neat about it is that, you know, he talked about, like, uh, Nancy just jumping in after Steve, going to the Watergate portal. Mm-hmm. And now he's, uh, you know, he's like, you know, she just, just jumped right in and. And, you know, he's like, I'm finding out that I'm a coward and all this. And so, you know, just based on the guitar scene of the promos coming up, the trailer, that there's probably going to be some sacrificial moment mm-hmm. where I hope he doesn't die. I know. But you can tell yeah, he's, he's going to make the big, great sacrifice to save yeah. everybody to get back or something of that nature. Something, yeah. What do you think? I absolutely think that's where the story arc is going, and I hope it's a, a non-permanent Thing, just getting lost in the upside down for a while. I hope or so something, too because he's, he's very likable, and yeah. uh, I, I hope he is. In, I hope they do more with his character next season, and he doesn't die off. I hope not. Because mm-hmm, I love how when he's one on one with people, he gets really real, like with yeah. Chrissy and with Steve, and he just there's more to him than that. Yeah. He doesn't. He puts. He, he kind of challenges people's bullshit. And so at first you think he's going to be kind of an asshole. Mm-hmm. And then you realize that he's doing it because they're a bunch of jock douchebags. And they're the ones that have mm-hmm. been mean and cruel to him all these years. And I was kind of like that, too, in my senior year, where I was a drama nerd. I was an athlete, but I was a little bit of a stoner and a little bit of a nerd. And But I was big because I lifted weights. And so I would challenge these jock douchebags, uh, not because they were uh, athletes, but mm-hmm. because they... They were cruel and rude and mean to people. Yeah. And so he he's he's got that side in me that uh, defends people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's not a coward all the time. He's mm-hmm. he stands up toward to people. He just doesn't necessarily stand up to supernatural. <laughs> Who can blame him? <laughs> crazy shit. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> well, because as soon as he gets in the upside down, he stands up and there's these fucking demo bats or whatever they call him. And he just grabs an oar and clocks them and sends them across the thing and he just yeah. he stepped up when he needed to well and, and i've been searching the internet for like stranger things 4 
wallpaper and such, and um, he's popping up everywhere. And mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people really like his character. Yeah. I don't know what the girls think. I know they think he's weird and sexy in a weird, mm-hmm. weird freaky way. That's, yeah. But he's unconventional, and I think that's what's so neat about his character is he's mm-hmm. unconventional, and he's kind of a mix of all characters. Yeah, he's, and anybody that went to high school in the 80s, he is the guys that listen to metal. Oh, he absolutely. Just, Which was pretty much my group of people, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I can still picture, like, the guys in high school that looked like that. Like, they oh, yeah. looked like that. Denim jean just, jackets, the, denim jean yep, vests, the the- all the pins <laughs> yeah. and all the um, Metallica stuff yep. and swag. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's awesome. Absolutely. So, before we wrap up the characters and the psychological mental health aspect, I kind of want to just... We're going to start pivoting into the supernatural elements here soon, but I kind of want to go into, just to wrap that part up, the the psychological mental health implications of the show as a whole. Um, what is the show trying to teach us about friendship and love and uh, courage and uh, mental health woes like anxiety and depression and things? What do you think, summarize, if you will, what the show's trying to tell people Uh, The message from a mental health standpoint. I think the biggest message is that no matter who you are, what walk of life you are, what group you're in, you're everyone deals with these things. Yeah. And it's okay. It's okay to deal with them and talk about them and be yourself. And I think that's the biggest overarching message about it. Well, and, and that's why I hate when the greater message is obscured when people say, you know, Oh, I don't like that show because it's it's got horror elements. Or oh, I don't like that show because it's young kids or something of that nature. Like I I just feel like people who are going through emotional or mental health problems, um what's neat about the show is that we're talking about scary, terrifying things that are constantly challenging our mortality from things that can kill us to um supernatural elements and Really, the show, especially this season, really goes into the weeds of our mental and internal demons. Oh, definitely. And uh, so so, kind of talk on that a little bit. Well, yeah, just since you mentioned the word demon, like, yeah, Vecna's the literal demon. Mm -hmm. He's the the embodiment of our inner demons. Kind of like a, yeah, kind of like a dream demon or a torment, an external tormentor, if you will. And he was created because of our emotions and he exists because of our emotions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Do you feel like um, the message, the greater message of good mental health, friendship, love, caring, uh, is it? Do you, do you think that, because I think a lot of kids nowadays just have an unfair disadvantage because at least we grew up in a time that was probably a little less um, aware, if you will, socially, but it was also, um, it was a time, it was a simpler time and kids nowadays are growing up with bullying and online bullying and, and school shootings and all these crazy things. And uh, mm-hmm. I believe that kids have access to crazy things on the internet and unhealthy coping mechanisms. Um, do you feel like the show in any way resonates with modern kids? And do you feel like there's a mental health lesson to be learned from it? Absolutely. And yeah, with all the technology and stuff these days, kids are more introverted and more into themselves and their inner worlds. And yeah, I would hope that they could look at it and take it for what it is instead of, Oh, that's just, that's that old days. Those are the old days. Like, yeah, but it was days when, 
you went out and played because you didn't have a computer to sit out yeah, or exactly. a phone to look at. or You were and, bored, and so you had to go make friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I would hope that it would resonate with younger mm-hmm. younger people. I honestly don't know. Well, and I hope it, at the end of the day that people realize that people, no matter where you grow up or when you grow up or what color your skin is, grow up with anxiety and depression. Grow up with feeling ostracized. Grow up feeling... Uh, bullied, picked on, not good enough. And I remember, you know, being scared to like, you know, be on the soccer team, being scared of uh, having to compete against the football players. I remember um, trying to fit in with the cooler kids. I remember uh, trying to um, be comfortable being coming from a nerd background, but then growing up to be kind of a an athletic kid. I don't know. I just... I was very much like Sinclair in that way that I, I, I kind of lived in both worlds yeah. um, and it was hard for a time, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, yeah, I just hope that um, the, the people get that nowadays get something from it, that they don't just turn away because it's not their era or it's not right. relatable. Yeah. yeah I, and I, I honestly it's completely don't know. Relatable. It absolutely is, but I honestly don't know as far as connecting with it. If I guess it depends on the kid. Really. Yeah, it would. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Rebecca was like, hey, we didn't talk about Hopper and Murray and all those others. I was trying to keep it succinct, but yeah, real quickly, let's talk about Joyce. Let's talk about Hopper, uh, Murray. uh, Go ahead. Well, they're just, they're the adults in the situation. So they were slow to kind of catch on with what was going on or believe what was going on, Mm -hmm. I think, which kind of shows, you know, adults versus kids. But once they figured out what was going on, they're all in. And it shows, it's just, it kind of shows that even as an adult, you can have these friendships and you can have these connections. Yeah. And- well, I like it the way it was set up because, you know, Hopper, you know, comes from, we just were, we, re, he, he revealed that um, he was in Vietnam. He had been exposed to Agent Orange. He, uh, blames himself for the death of his daughter, Sarah. So he's dealing with the guilt. And the guilt of that, awesome. yeah. yeah. And he almost knew that something could happen, and he did it anyways. But when nothing did happen, he was like, oh, maybe I dodged a bullet. And then it did happen. And then he, now, so he's trying to drink the pain away because, and he and he got into his alcoholism, and that's what led to his divorce and all this stuff. And then he blames himself for stuff happening to L. Right. Like in that, in the one scene, he said, I used to think I was cursed, but now I think I am the curse. Yeah. And, and now just... I believe, yeah, yeah, and 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 just I believe that his story arc is that it will just make him a better person, uh, and he will cherish the people around him, mm-hmm. and that uh, for once he'll give himself a break. I think he puts exactly. too much pressure on himself to be the solver of all problems and the knower mm-hmm. of all things. Yeah, and I just like which it. I relate to because yeah. I have to be the patriarch and the mm-hmm. strong one. And sometimes I'm not always feeling that way. So I get that. Yeah. And I think just his character and Joyce, they're just kind of there to be parents and be adult figures, but they're also there to help each other through that arc and through yeah. accepting who well, and you I are love and what's the going story. on. And- I love their relationship and their dynamic because, you know, I, Joyce, I love, she's, she's like you. She's the well-intentioned, beautiful disaster. She's, <laughs> She's like all over the place. Yeah. She's kind of weird and funky. She she does, you know, she in the best possible way, of mm-hmm. course. I mean, she's just all over the place. She's 
you know, she, what she's would, just how trying would you to describe? get by. Huh? She's just trying to get by. Yeah, and she's just trying to survive. Kids, right? and she's unconventional, mm-hmm. but in a cool yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. Kind of makes her look kind of like, um, I don't know. There's a mul- multiplicity about her. She's like, mm-hmm. like ADD, if you will. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. So she's just, yeah, she's a hot mess, but she's very well-intentioned and she's yeah. a really good person and she's loyal. And-, and I love that they're growing together, mm-hmm. you know, Hopper and Joyce. And then, um, of course, the unexpected surprise of the show <laughs> is Murray. Yeah. <laughs> Murray's great. Yeah. He's I love Murray so much. Murray is my spirit animal. <laughs> conspiracy theory guy that they kind of hook yeah. up with. and Well, they knew what they had. And that's mm-hmm. what I love about the show is when they have something and they know they have something, they ride it into the show. Yeah. Because I kind of have a feeling he wasn't meant to keep no, going. No. He was, he was not just meant that to weird keep going on. part of that season. No. But now he just. But, but now yeah, the fact that he, you know, he developed that relationship in, in last season or the season before with. Uh, with the Russian guy. Mm-hmm. That was last season. Yeah. Yeah. And then he died. That was sad. But now his Russian is getting. Right. He's getting utilized. Yeah. yeah it perfect. It's just, yeah. He's kind of the comic relief, but he's also has growth and he's a very serious mm-hmm. part of things. So. Yeah. He's the balding, bearded, uh, kind of older dork that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. And then you find out he's a black he's belt. A black karate belt so. and all this. <laughs> but he's only fought. An almost 16-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, because I took karate when I was right? younger, too. So yeah. so, yeah, but those, I, I just wanted to mention those three, because they are very integral parts, just yes, not as I much agree. as the kids, but... Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. And while I would love to talk about all of them, let's mm-hmm. kind of move on here to... The parents to... are just parents. That's just basically their role in the show, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and I think um, that's what kids can learn, is that we all grow up, and we're all a hot mess in some ways, and that life is a zero sum game, you guys, and you got to take a break and give yourself a break. Yeah. Trying to, you know, they say life is what happens when you're making plans. And believe me, you guys, you know, life is just messy and you have to get used to that if you're going to navigate it. That's that's all there is to it, yep. you know. Yeah. Uh, so the supernatural elements of the show. Let's talk about the telekine- telekinetic powers of Eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk on that a little bit. Well, yeah, that was a really interesting reveal that the, the kid, um, was it Henry that became Vecna? Was that his yes. first name? So it's really interesting to find out that he was just this kid that had it. Yeah. So it was just something that he was born with. So all the other kids, I guess they figured out a way to kind of breed that in them, bring it out in them. Yeah, that's the now thing it's, that's it, kind of still up in the air. Well, like, and that's why it reminds me of being an empath, because... Even though it's played as telepathy, a telepathic kinesis type power, telekinetic power of of sorts, which kind of harkens, of course, to Firestarter, uh, harkens to um, a little bit of E.T. Carrie. Carrie, of Mm -hmm. course. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, but as an empath, you know, it's just something I was born with. It doesn't make me a, a freak. It doesn't make me different. I've told you guys that being an empath just means that you're intuitive. You're born with this ability to understand things. You're, you kind of got a, a built-in worldliness about you. you got a built-in sort of knowledge when people are bullshitting you or pulling your leg. And it just makes you intuitive. And so I relate to the that aspect of it because, yes, you're just born with it. And so I like the fact that the powers weren't given to them. Mm-hmm. It's just inherent. Yeah. And, yeah, that's the thing that, 
I still am curious about because mm-hmm. all these kids, like they, you know, they tell you that Eleven had a mom and she was taken from her, but yeah. was she taken from her because she had started to show some type of ability or because Probably. she seemed like a throwaway yeah. kind of kid, they just decided they could kidnap her and take her and try to put these abilities into her. So that's the, yeah, that's kind of the it, big mystery still. Well, and, and that may c- come to um, show itself in season five is that maybe they'll show that, the government put out an ad. Hey, do you have a special child with right. unique abilities? Right. Yeah. We'll develop it for you. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. And yeah. then they pull a fast mm-hmm. one on the parents and just go, thanks, zoink, and then yeah. take the kid yeah. and kidnap and, them. Yeah, so. and it, they kind of made it sound mm-hmm. like that um, Henry's mother had been in contact with them because they said she had talked to a doctor and they were talking about bringing him somewhere. Right. So... Yeah, it's just still kind of... Or, a, or maybe Jane's mother has some special ability, and so by proxy of that, they knew maybe, she was going to yeah. have something mm-hmm. special. Who knows? Yeah. So I mean, we might find out that her father is somebody crazy big or crazy fascinating mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Hard yeah. to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As an empath, you know, that's the thing is like, um, it's not something that is so cut and dry. Like, people think, oh... You're either an empath or you know it. I do believe that energetically we all pick up on signals. We all pick up on vibes. We're all kind of built in to this sense of intuitive intuitiveness and awareness around us. And that's why I call myself a realized empath because at the end of the day, there's it's not like, like it was drastic. I mean, I just knew that there was something different about me growing up. It made me feel weird and insecure at first, but... Really, it didn't because I didn't even know that it was abnormal. Mm-hmm. I just sensed when the phone was going to ring. I just had yeah. dreams about things that were going to happen. And uh, as I got older, that psychic ability kind of went down, but that emotional intuitiveness stayed. And mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. Maybe we can all just sort of attune differently based on our own, uh, the way our brains are, are made up, the, the, the balance of, of biological and chemical processes mm-hmm. we're we're all kind of tuning in a, at a different frequency yeah and so at the end of the day i like the fact that you know the show is talking about to celebrate your uniqueness because yeah, when i came out as an empath i did it because i didn't want people to think i was special i wasn't doing it for attention i wasn't doing it to to feel superior it's just that <clears throat> when you're not when you're a man and you're not gay, you, you, you're checked out by, okay, I'm not gay. Uh, I'm not this. I'm not this. I'm not this. Oh, this is why I feel weird. Like, you feel like you're gay, like you're coming out, <clears throat> but you're not because you're not you're not attracted to the same sex, so, but you still feel different, like mm-hmm. as if you were There's gay. something different, yeah. I wasn't mm-hmm. really a feminine. I wasn't really, I had a, I went through a phase where i was feminine and then i realized that was because i grew up around all females and that was that was my strong um those were just the people around me the strong influences in my life um but then yeah i realized that i had a little bit of this ability and i wanted to develop it because i think it's what gave me sort of an emotional intelligence and an awareness that other kids didn't have and so i feel like i feel like everybody has it if you attune to it mm-hmm. and so the show kind of resonates with me in that regard because i do feel like it's just, it's just something you have and something you are but mm-hmm. really it's something that we all have and develop and that's why it's neat to see that program 
where kids have it at different in different strengths and different ways. 